0: and welcome to Didian Hawthorne and the In Between your place for everything reading and language related. I'm your host Mackenzie Gents. Now bookmark that book and let's begin hello hello and welcome to the show hello and herzlich willkommen to unserem podcast today today we have a book review of a book published in september 2020 officially the newest book we will have reviewed on the show and that book is anxious people by swedish writer frederick bachmann This is one of those books that haunted me for a while before I bought it, similar to Educated by Tara Westover, if you've heard me talk about my relationship with that memoir before essentially i saw the book when i was looking up contemporary literature to put on our email list ex libris dhni that's my plug then i saw it in the bookstore and then another bookstore essentially bookstore after bookstore after bookstore and i frequent bookstores more often than you might guess or i would like to admit and eventually of course i cracked down and i bought the book Enter January 2021 when I finally flipped to the first page and started reading. This novel took me a long time to get into, I will be completely frank about that. I found Bachman's style to be quite abrasive in the first 60 to 100 pages or so, as he moderates serious thematic material with a very blunt writing style. I actually took a couple weeks break from the novel because I needed to sit on its severity for a while before I felt I could understand more about the writing and get more into the development of theme, character, and plot. That being said, the last fifth of the book or so is so tender and so lovingly written, and the impact of that mood at the end is only heightened by the dryness of the first bit of the novel. In my experience, it really is a novel that grows on you as you continue reading it, and I have no qualms about taking my time in the beginning. The pace moves quickly, and I like Bachman's moderation of short, impactful sentences with descriptions that set various scenes. Regarding the plot, the book remains vague enough throughout the narration that these events could have happened to any group of people at any time, but specific enough that you couldn't imagine the narration without even one of the characters in it. Bachman's characterization is unique because the third person omniscient narration that he employs almost has a frame break at times when the narrator gets into a person's heart and just brings out little devastating comments about that person's grief or character or experience that really hit home. Such characterization made the book so human despite the built in distance of the third person omniscient narration style. most interesting to me was the organization of the narration. It has different elements, like interview transcripts versus regular narration sections and prose sections, and there are time jumps that you have to keep track of, which reminds me a lot of some of Kurt Vonnegut's novels the more I think about it, especially his false transcribed interviews. But the book is organized in such a way that there's a constant reframing of everything that you've read, and so you almost lose trust in the narration, which is something that contemporary authors have been playing a lot with recently, at least in the contemporary authors we've read on the show. Trust Exercise by Susan Choi is an excellent example of this, and I felt like that reframing was interestingly very effective in terms of keeping you on your toes throughout the duration of the story. There's certainly a mystery element to this book as well, and the reframing that I'm talking about is very much in the style of Knives Out or other whodunit works, But ultimately, the book moves away from the mystery and towards the connection that these people end up sharing towards the end of the novel, how these people especially are changed irrevocably by their relationships with each other that happen to develop by way of a chance encounter. In the same vein, another aspect that I especially enjoyed and learned a lot from in this novel is the playful omission that happens, and this is what allows the author Frederick Bachman to do the reframing that I'm talking about. And what I love about it is he strategically leaves out information that the reader would take for granted. And he leaves that information out, sometimes for hundreds of pages. Not to get too much into spoilers here, but he does leave out things like the gender of some characters, things like the possibility that a father would lie to his son, things like the assumption that two characters are strangers when they really are not... And that creates an amazing web of connection throughout the book as a whole, and the way that this web overlaps and interacts throughout the entire novel is so interesting and so dense. Page one. A bank robbery. A hostage drama. A stairwell full of police officers on their way to storm an apartment. It was easy to get to this point, much easier than you might think. All it took was one single really bad idea. This story is about a lot of things, but mostly about idiots, so it needs saying from the outset that it's always very easy to declare that other people are idiots, but only if you forget how idiotically difficult being human is, especially if you have other people you're trying to be a reasonably good human being for. What a gorgeous way to start a book, how funny, how irreverent somewhat. Uh, what a great way to start a novel, and that kind of language persists in the narration style throughout the book. So a little out of order here, let's dive into a loose plot description of the novel. It is indeed a story about a bank robbery, and it is also indeed a story about idiots, <laughs> and. It's about people who are uncooperative and who behave uncharacteristically or maybe unexpectedly rather in types of situations where you would definitely have a set of assumptions or expectations about how people would behave generally in those situations. Essentially, there's a person who is at the end of their rope and they decide to rob a bank. The bank ends up being a cashless bank, and the bank robber has no choice but to run into an adjacent apartment building in which there is a, an apartment viewing taking place. The bank robber has what they think is a fake pistol, which draws attention, of course, and it becomes a hostage situation, once the bank robber steps into this apartment viewing. There are so many amazing characters in this novel, and what I love about them is that they all have these common threads, right? They're all here at the apartment viewing for some reason or other, and most of them are not here because they're actually interested in the apartment, like actually living there. Um, but they're all different in terms of where they're at in life and what they've experienced and what they care about at this moment. And so what's amazing is that as the story develops, these cares start to become known not only to the readers, but to the other characters in question. And people in the apartment, what at first is a very tense, of course, hostage drama situation, becomes a meeting between friends where (laughs) there's laughter and there's tears and pizza and outside are journalists and police officers and there's a, a professional negotiator on the way from Stockholm to this little town in Sweden. So overviewing the characters here, I'm not going to get into, for example, their connections because I think, as I have outlined earlier very reasonably, the connections between characters are just amazing and I would not take away those uh, surprise connections of the world. So I will introduce all of the characters individually and it will be up to you to read the novel or do some research and figure out how they're all connected. So there's a police officer uh, named Jack, and then his father's name is Jim, also a police officer on the same squad. This is a small town in Sweden, as I mentioned, so um, <laughs> there is there are quite a bit of jokes about sort of the incompetence of small de- police departments, but at the end of the day, both of these men are good people, and that makes them sometimes errant in their duties, but they are good police officers because of that too, at least in my opinion. There's also Zara, who is a woman who's very affluent, very affluently wealthy, and she is at the apartment for a reason which I will not disclose, but she's extremely wealthy and so it's quite suspicious, honestly, that she's at this apartment viewing. Um, in a middle-class, you know, not so affluent uh, place, and the apartment is a decent apartment. Uh, It needs a little bit of work, but uh, it's a decent apartment for someone just getting started, wanting to really live there permanently, and Zara is not uh, in that position at all, so (laughs) she's at this apartment viewing for a different reason. She's a banker, and she's obsessed with a bridge in this town. There are Roe and Julia, um, wife and wife pair, a dynamic duo. Julia is pregnant with uh, their child, and Roe is a comedian at heart. They both have um, a lot of baggage with their parental and familial backstories, which I won't get into. um, But that makes them inseparable in a lot of ways, and their love story is so beautiful. It happens at a flower shop, and they bicker. (laughs) They They bicker constantly. Ro is a nervous eater, and she ends up eating some of the display lines at the apartment, and... Cracking jokes all the while because that's her defense, and that's her, um, that's something that's been taught and ingrained in her. That cracking jokes is something that humans do to survive. And so, there are these people who are connected but who are scared about the shift that they're about to go through in terms of bringing a child into a world, into the world and not being quite ready for it and not knowing if you're going to be a good parent or not and not having support from, for example, uh, your parents in that endeavor and not having the support from the people who you really need support from. And also a big stressor for them is they don't have an apartment yet uh, in which to raise this child and so they've been... Going to many, many apartment viewings. I should mention that this apartment viewing is taking place on New Year's Eve. (laughs) And so uh, it's a very strange day for an apartment viewing. Why would anyone want to go to an apartment viewing on a holiday? Um, So yeah, the the circumstances are quite interesting and it makes it uh, just that much more difficult for the police to talk about. and piece through and solve this mystery because there are so many circumstances that ultimately uh, don't matter in terms of solving the actual hostage situation or hostage mystery, but they do matter in terms of the connections that these people end up having and the reason why they're all available on New Year's Eve to go to an apartment viewing of of an apartment that's not even a first-rate apartment. It's serviceable. Next, there is Roger and his wife, Annalena, and they also constantly bicker, but for a different reason. They have this hobby of creating um, apartments together, and so, or renovating them rather, and then selling them at a higher price, and so. They've been going around, buying all these apartments, fixing them up. Uh, There's a big deal about how Annalena has lots of, um, basically the whole IKEA catalog memorized. We are in Sweden after all. And they just sell them and it's all about market price. And they go to apartment viewing specifically for apartments that have a lot of potential and a lot of... um, different aspects about them that could be renovated and capitalized upon later. So interestingly, they are a duo that work together in in more ways increasingly as the story goes on. You think that Roger is sort of a domineering character over Annalena, and then you realize that wasn't really the case, especially when they were raising their children um and again (laughs) i'm trying heavily to avoid spoilers at this point but it is one of those stories where your assumptions get thwarted because you you go in with the normal societal expectation of x y and z in the story and it turns out that the characters really aren't as they seem uh, and that is no fault of the narration well it is very strategic on the part of the narration but it's really our fault for holding those assumptions in the first place and there's an amazing conversation that takes place um, sort of meta-linguistic or meta-pragmatic to the dialogue that is to what extent are those assumptions useful to us And we do need assumptions in order to continue living our lives and in order to continue um, (laughs) in a productive societal manner. Um, Assumptions are behind everything we say, our movements, how we dress. Uh, And those kinds of assumptions come from very useful information and it's often um, targeted information, you know, so if I wear... A pair of slacks instead of a dress, what am I saying in the work environment, that kind of thing. But at the same time, as Bachman so cleverly writes in his narration style, those assumptions are not steadfast. Meaning is not univocal, in other words, there is no singular meaning for any sign out there. Wearing slacks instead of a dress, to keep with the same example, is can be interpreted in so many different ways it could be that i want to look more assertive it could mean that i want to look taller if i am wearing a pair of high-waisted slacks for instance it could be i'm more comfortable in slacks than in dresses it could be i have a long commute and i stand for most of the time or something um and i don't want to risk flashing people or something like that. Uh, You get the point. There's so many different types of meaning and different threads of meaning that people can get from any sign that you display. And so um, the vibes that we get from these characters, and I think Roger and Annalena are such a pertinent example of this, end up being red herrings for what the actual meaning behind the meaning is. So... This book definitely makes you think about your assumptions and where they come from and, indeed, how useful they are to you. Moving on, there is also a charming old lady named Estelle. And Estelle is at the apartment viewing uh, for a secret reason, which I will not disclose. She is an older lady who says that her husband... Knut, I think it is, or I, I read it as nut, but I think it's Knute, Um Is parking the car supposedly, and she's also supposedly at the apartment viewing to find an apartment for her daughter. And this is an old woman who hides herself in her shame. And what I find so lovely and so charming about her is that. She persists despite the grief and despite some of the sadnesses that are a part of her everyday experience, and she does her best to be a comfort and to be a place of solace for people, especially Annalena when uh, an event happens in the apartment that sort of separates her and Roger for a while... Um, she has such a wonderful, beautiful backstory, and she ends up coloring so much of the narration in a way that is lasting and in a way that is so beautiful. And her relationship with the bank robber is also quite beautiful, turns out, at the end. So Estelle was definitely my favorite character. She also uh, is was an avid reader and so... I could obviously relate to that uh, aspect of her quoting famous lines and musing over things that she's read over the years and finding an affair in a reading buddy and all of these beautiful little moments in novels that she brings up in her head and in person. There's also a character named Leonard. Leonard is an actor, and I'll leave it there. He is a very interesting person. He has a lot of different. Um, he's very quirky. I'll say that, and and he's quirky enough where, even if he's not named, you know when he's in a scene, you know exactly who it is, uh, even if Bachman doesn't take the liberty of telling you that it's Leonard. Um, he's very silly. Just the way that he gets introduced into the novel is very silly and uh, adds a lot to the balance of these characters, many of whom are, um, well, they're all (laughs) uh, unorthodox in their own ways, but uh, many of whom are more serious. Roger, for example, is definitely more serious than Leonard is. And that leaves the bank robber and the real estate agent. The real estate agent is just laughably bad at her job, which is why she ha- is holding an apartment viewing on uh, the day before New Year's or New Year's. And she is a very absent figure, honestly, from the book for a while and I think for so much of the book there are so many characters between the police officers and their f- families and there's an, another extended plot line that has to do with Zara and the young police officer that I'm not going to get into and there's just so many heads to keep count of and keep track of um, and we're, we're seeing it a lot of the time through the police investigation so it's really Jack putting together okay we've got six people here and two others and three others and blah so many characters we honestly lose track of the real estate agent for quite a while um and that's purposefully so right because jack also loses track of the real estate agent and indeed how the events play out is she sort of she sort of disappears for a while um and so she's laughably bad at her job she Uh, immediately leaves as soon as she thinks there's a hostage situation. Um, She's still in the apartment, of course, but yeah, she is just really terrible at her job. Not too much characterization takes place with her, which I found uh, was really interesting that she was such an absent character, as opposed to the depth that most of the other characters are able to achieve in the narration, and that contrast is fairly effective I would say um, and you know you don't have time always to go into every person's backstory so the real estate agent is definitely a good foil for some of these other characters like Zahara um, Leonard is a corollary to the real estate agent in this way as well and finally the bank robber uh, with whom we will end there are so many words which with with which I could use to describe the bank robber, and I'm going to keep my description fairly short. That this bank robber is in a bind, and this bank robber is so human and so alone, and this bank robber is doing their best every day, and this bank robber uh, loves their children. Finally, Frederick Bachman does have a few other novels out there and I would be interested in taking a look at one of his earlier works and delving into his style a bit more. His style is really the thing, as I've been harping on the whole time, that I really appreciated about this novel. That's what made this novel particularly unique and particularly engaging. Contemporary literature interests me quite a bit, as you all know, so I'm always on the lookout for new authors, and I will end with saying that while this novel is not a novel I anticipate reading again, at least not in the near future, I do anticipate keeping an eye out for Bachman's future work, because I highly respect what he's done with anxious people.